0: Do you like the show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do! Then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. programs and welcome back to another edition of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. Where my name is Jason Robbins.
1: And my name is Derek Diamond. So
0: how has your week been?
1: So it's been pretty busy actually, uh mostly with work because we have a baseball tournament that we're doing Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So prepping for that has been pretty busy. I think I've worked late um every single day this week so far. Hmm. Probably be doing it again tomorrow. Definitely doing it Friday. And then having to work Saturday and Sunday has been it's been pretty busy. But um I've also been doing a lot of stuff for my show as well. I did two podcasts on Monday, then did a live show last night. Hmm. And now I'm here. So
0: <laughs> hey, how are you recovering from the 15k?
1: Uh <clears throat> pretty good actually. My um I've kind of tweaked my workout routine a bit where I've slacked I'm decreasing the running a bit just because it's a good way to build cardio and yeah. if you want to burn a lot of calories, it's a great way to do it, but it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> and even like I will say this running at thirty-three years old is much different than running at twenty-three years old. Yeah. It it takes me Takes me a bit longer to recover from it. But <laughs> Wait still, till you get I, to be
0: I, in your forties and and your knees sound like
1: uh, Rice Krispies whenever you get <laughs> up and down. <laughs> I mean, in a couple of years, I'll be at the halfway point. So yeah. <laughs> and then before you know it, I'll be there. But but no, other than that, you know, just kind of been doing the the same old thing, and that that and getting ready for Pensacon, which I know will. We'll talk about a little bit later. Yes,
0: on. Um, I'm so excited for Pensacon. I cannot wait for Pensacon this year. What about you? Um, not a whole lot. Just doing um, comedy shows, uh, doing the open mics here on the coast, and uh, uh, that's really about it. Just uh, concentrating on the comedy, and um,
1: that's about it. <laughs> nice. No, I mean, is, I imagine that it's fun. I mean, going to those shows is a lot of fun. I oh, imagine yeah. it's probably even more fun being a performer.
0: It's cool just because I've made so many good uh, comedian friends, and that's the best part about it is, get, is going and hanging out with everybody. And, um, oh, oh, before I forget, uh, May 23rd, um, I have a show coming up in um, – uh, on May 23rd, which is actually uh, very close to my birthday, which is May 28th, uh, I'll be opening for Brent Terhune at the Wayward Kraken. And you can get to that through, uh, I think I posted it on the actual Nerd Cave uh, Retro Facebook page and my personal page. Uh, tickets are $15, and uh, the Eventbrite page is up as we speak. So if you just go to the Nerd Cave Retro, facebook page you'll see that post and just go to that page and get your tickets for may 23rd it's a saturday
1: that's fantastic
0: and help me celebrate my birthday
1: yeah i'm i'm checking right now i'm pretty sure i won't have work that night fantastic you should come over i do not so i will make plans to be there awesome that's that's great i i love the wayward kraken yeah it's a, it's a great a bar. Cool place uh, yeah. If you have, if
0: you don't know the way we're cracking, that's where we had our uh, live show. Uh, what about two months ago? We did our live yeah. show there. Um, it's a great bar, and if you haven't been there, it's on Howard Avenue in the middle of downtown Biloxi. It's a nerd bar. If you if you enjoy anything of the pop culture or nerdy variety, you owe it to yourself to go have a burger there. Which uh, incidentally, they have some of the best burgers on the entire Gulf Coast.
1: That burger you had last time we went did look really good.
0: It's called it's called the uh, the Highlander. It is uh, It's like Highlander. a pa- it's like a half pound of beef, and it's got steak on it and cheese and honey mustard and oh, it's so good. There can be only one. Uh,
1: there can be only one. <laughs> and on now, that funny note, and,
0: oh, what were oh, you go ahead. Oh, you go ahead.
1: No, I was just. I was going to say I I had um, so last night I had wrapped up doing my live show and I was really wanting a burger and there's a five guys uh, a couple of blocks from me and this was a bit before 9:30 cuz my my live show was only half an hour i got there right before 9:30 now keep in mind they close at 10 mm-hmm. they had already locked their door really yeah <laughs> and then their their open sign is is still on really and mm. i'm like really guys i like five guys but man it is so
0: expensive
1: yeah, I, I was just really craving like that specific burger. Yeah. And and I was denied. <laughs> so denied. I, I I went to Whataburger instead, which is still good.
0: Dude, dude, soon as you said Whataburger, I was like, What I was thinking like, man, Whataburger is a good substitute if you it can't is. get a five guys. I'm like and then you said Whataburger. I was like, Oh, you went right where my brain went. Yep. I can't wait man, till Whataburger comes out with the uh, the A one steak burger again. I, 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 oh, the last man. time they had that, I had like three in one day. They're <laughs> so good.
1: Well, something we should do. I, I say we should do it Friday night. We got to go to McGuire's when you're in. Oh, of course,
0: we're going back to McGuire's. That's that's a must every time I go to Pensacola.
1: Yeah, we got to make that happen.
0: I'm Sure, Angelina wouldn't mind going back to uh, McGuire's too. What do you say? <laughs> yeah. She's shaking her head, yeah.
1: <laughs> Good. We'll, we'll make plans to do it during that weekend.
0: Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and move into the news, shall we? Let's do it. All I have to say for this story is about damn time. This just dropped on Engadget 13 hours ago. Nintendo is adding more SNES and NES games to Switch Online. Uh, let me wow. see here. Uh, wow. Your two playlists for Nintendo Switch may grow a bit longer now that Nintendo has announced the new games for subscription service. To start with, it's bringing more SNES and NES games on February 19th. Um, let's see. One of them is Konami's top view shoot 'em up game, Poppin' Twinbee. Um, let's see. The other is the 16-bit classic Smash Tennis Um, They're adding two NES titles to the service this month, Shadow of the Ninja, a classic side-scrolling action platformer, and the Powerboat Racing Game Eliminator Boat Duel. Um, Let's see. I think that's it for now. Um, Let's see. Aside from the new Nintendo Switch editions, Nintendo has officially announced the release date for Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team DX, Um, the um, uh, enhanced reimagining of the franchise's dungeon-crawling spinoffs, um, and that will make its way to the Switch on March, March 6th for 60 bucks.
1: Cool. You
0: know what's crazy? <laughs> I had a, a chance to buy Shadow of the Ninja a cart of this at the um, really? the uh, flea market not too long ago. And I didn't get it, and I kicked myself ever since. How much was it? I don't even remember. It was like 10 bucks or something like that. I
1: gotcha. I mean, it's cool that they're adding stuff, but I mean, we've said it multiple times. You, you got to, even if it's only once a month, yeah. you got to have a consistent schedule. Yep. Otherwise, people are just going to stop caring. I mean, I, I tell people that when they're looking to start a podcast, I tell them that's mm-hmm. one of the top things is you got to be consistent. Yep. Because if you're not, people are going to forget about you. Exactly.
0: Like I don't know and how many I, people I, are actually I, paying attention to this and caring. Now at this point,
1: I'll be honest. I'm I'm in the group that doesn't. Yeah, I don't really think about the switch online stuff anymore because I don't they really never much either.
0: It. I don't either. It's sad because they they had something really good they, that they could have done. Now if they get back on a more uh, you know regular schedule, I'll care. But this yeah. once every six to eight months, they're like, "Oh, here's a game," like that that shit just not working for me anymore.
1: No. Now you you've got to you got to have some type of consistency. Yeah. And the yeah. thing is, like they're sitting on a gold mine. I know. A- and what they had with the Wii Virtual Console was special. Mm-hmm. I had to, like we talked about when they shut that down for the
0: Wii. Why don't they just move that infrastructure over to the Switch? Yeah. How hard can exactly. it be? I am convinced now more than ever that just Nintendo just hates money. They just they don't want money. That's all it is. They don't want money.
1: It's a great business mentality to have. Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. Maybe they'll learn one day. Maybe. But we'll see. So, kind of going off on Nintendo, keeping uh, on the same subject line from Nintendolife.com. And I, I did not know this. So, this was <laughs> very surprising. Reggie admits he did not own a GameCube when he applied for a job at Nintendo. We know the former Nintendo of America president, Reggie Fijame was a big fan of Super Mario, Legend of Zelda, and the Metroid series long before he took on the role. But he wasn't exactly the ultimate collector. Despite revealing he had over 80 games for the, the SNES not long ago, it turns out he didn't own a GameCube when he applied for a role at the company. He spoke on the Present Value podcast He had mentioned, I knew Nintendo, I knew its franchises, I owned not only a SNES, but an N64, I'd owned a PS2, Xbox, they were all in my house. Interestingly, at the time I was interviewing with Nintendo, I did not own a GameCube. So as a consumer, I could see issues and opportunities. I could have a sense of where the needs were not only from a sales and marketing perspective, which was the role I was being hired into, but just from an overall perspective. So what what do you think of this? What what do you think of the former president of Nintendo of America hmm. admitting I did not own a GameCube?
0: Well, honestly, it kind of makes sense because I don't think a lot of people did at the time, since they yeah. only sold like 11 million units. But at the same time, if you're gonna have somebody coming into the company like that, that is a fan of the franchises in the company, and he's the one saying, "Look, I don't, I don't, even I don't own your current." Uh, hardware that says something and bring in somebody in that says, look, I want to own your hardware and here's what we need to do. I think that was the smartest decision Nintendo of America made.
1: Well, and it's good business practice in general to bring in somebody who has an outside perspective because, you know, speaking from someone who works within an organization, sometimes you can get lost in your own little bubble so it's good to bring in an outside voice to be like, yeah, maybe what you guys are doing aren't that isn't that great." Yeah. So I it's surprising, but it doesn't bother me. Yeah, me neither. That yeah, it makes sense. And and I was from the day he was announced, I was a huge Reggie fan. Yeah. Cuz I don't know if you remember, but the when he was announced, he came out and said, "I am all about kicking ass yeah. and taking names." <laughs> And we're about making games. Exactly. And I said, this is my guy. Yeah,
0: this is the guy that made Reggie. you like, say, I am a proud Nintendo fan, instead of being like feeling like Nintendo is for kids, you know?
1: Yeah. I wish Reggie was still around. Reggie was the man.
0: I miss Reggie. Yeah, he was great. Uh, and for our next story, this is actually on bloodydisgusting.com. Uh, 90s survival horror inspired Heaven Dust hit Steam and Nintendo Switch February 27th. Uh, if you're in the mood for more throwback survival horror, then Indie Nova and Developer One Gruel Studio have a treat for you in the form of Heaven Dust. The game will launch on the Nintendo eShop and Steam on February 27th, with a PS4 version currently being developed. It is a love letter to classic 90s survival horror games and all gamers who really love video games. The story for Heaven Dust is you waking up in a mansion that was a front for a secret research center, but is now crawling with zombies and deadly traps. You'll have to escape by overcoming your fears, collecting items, solving innovative puzzles, and revealing the cruel truth. I am very, very interested in picking this up at the end of the month.
1: Same. I, I watched the trailer right before we started recording and I, I love the look of it. Yeah. And it-, it looks like a really fun game.
0: Yeah, this is like oh, I said, this I- is I- on bloodydisgusting.com, com, and, and in the actual article they have a link to the uh the trailer on YouTube. So if you're interested. Actually you can look at if you have a Steam account, you can look at the trailer on Steam as well.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I I think it looks really good. It, it's got a very interesting style. Yeah. As far as graphics goes, but I I think that really that's really what stood out to me about the trailer. But I I'm I'm really excited uh, to try this out. Yeah, I think I'm gonna pick this up soon as it comes out. Let's see. Well, oh boy, here this, comes the rant. <laughs> so so this this next story is kind of a twofer. Um, so with the Sonic movie coming out, you probably figured that the show would have some type of Sonic news attached to it, Mm -hmm. in addition to my review for this evening. So our first story comes to us from NintendoWire.com. Sonic returning to SXSW 2020 with a special announcement or two. For the past few years, Sonic the Hedgehog has become a regular at Austin, Texas's xssw Festival. Say that five times fast. Yeah. Well, yeah, usually
0: they, they, the, the hipsters call it South by. South by Southwest. They just call it South, South, South by.
1: Southwest. by. Well, clearly I'm not a not a hipster or hip. Uh with big <laughs> announcements like Sonic forces's title and Team Sonic Racing's animated shorts being made at the Gotta Go Fast panels. This year is no exception as Sega has officially posted the panel listing for 2020. Their panel will be happening on March 20th between 3 and 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. And the description says, Sonic the Hedgehog is back at I guess, South by Southwest. Join special guests from Sega and Sonic Team as they talk about the latest for the Blue Blur and his next steps for 2020 and beyond. There's almost always a special announcement or two to be had, so be sure to stay tuned. I, I have little to no doubt that the, the next Sonic game is going to be announced. Oh, yeah, and, absolutely. And I hope it's a sequel to Sonic Mania. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I know they've done 2D and 3D, you know, pairs at, at some point. Like, you know, they released Sonic Forces a couple of years ago. But Sonic Mania really blew me away as far as how good it was and the fact that it felt like classic Sonic. So I think... If if I were running Sega, that's the direction I would go, in. it's either a sequel to Sonic Mania or a new 2D game.
0: Do you think they're going to announce some sort of... A, like maybe an animated series or something like that? Because they're supposed to be... Ha, the, the, as Sega said they're going to be doing Sonic news every single month for the rest of this year.
1: Yeah, which I, I think is all leading up to... Next year, which is the 30th anniversary of Sonic. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that Sonic's back in the news because that character has been practically irrelevant for a long time. Yeah. And at one time, Sonic was, and we've talked about it before, at one time, Sonic was up there with Mario as far as discussion of great video game characters. So I think with this, with the movie coming out, Mm -hmm. who knows what's going to happen?
0: So you want to go ahead and segue into where it says uh, rant time? (laughs) Okay, so,
1: you know, I'm usually the pacifist Uh of the podcast, and it it takes a lot to really just, to put it bluntly, piss me off Uh when I read stuff online. (laughs) So I found this poll, and there's a lot of Sonic stuff in the news with the movie coming out this week, which is to be expected. So this I can't remember who retweeted this, but someone retweeted this um, article from Polygon ranking the best 12 Sonic games of all time. So I was like, okay, I, I like lists, so I'll check it out. So, did you get a chance to look at it?
0: No, this is my first time
1: getting to look at it. All right, so I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'll just say Sonic Spinball is number 12. Okay. Number 12. <laughs> That means there are 11 Sonic games that are better, in oh, their opinion, than Sonic Spinball.
0: I don't know. Sonic Spinball is pretty good.
1: Oh, I, w- I would put it much higher, Yeah, to be
0: especially maybe before a couple of these. Yeah.
1: All right, so Sonic Heroes was 10. I'll be honest, that game didn't really resonate with me. Um, Sonic Generations nine should be higher. I really enjoyed that game because it it brought back the 2D style, but it was kind of in two and a half D. And the story was great with, you know, bringing back the old worlds like Green Hill Chemical Plant, and you know, games from the Dreamcast era. Uh, Sonic Adventure was eight, Sonic Adventure two was seven, Sonic Chronicles: The Dark Brotherhood, which was a very mediocre RPG game. Now I, I want everyone I to didn't think know about that.
0: Bioware made that game? Dark yes, Brotherhood. They did.
1: So it's not a bad game, but RPG is not the genre for Sonic. No. I want everyone to think about that. Sonic <laughs> and turn based RPG. Yeah, that doesn't make much sense. Yeah. Uh the original Sonic is at five, Sonic CD is at four. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is third. Second is Sonic the Hedgehog 3. And number one is Sonic Mania. Now, I'm not going to knock Sonic Mania because I actually really like that game. It it would probably be in my top five. Okay. But to say that Sonic Chronicles is better than Sonic Adventure 2, Sonic Adventure 1, (laughs) or Sonic Generations and you would put Sonic Spinball number 12, I would say to myself, whoever wrote this article, are you freaking nuts? <laughs> what was the
0: sample size, did it say, of people uh, that, that, that helped to procure this list? Or do you think it was just whoever it wrote It was written this? by one guy. <clears throat> I think it was just one guy's opinion.
1: It's a horrible opinion. It's a really, uh, this list bothers me because how can you, I, I, I'd be curious to know how old this guy is mm. would be, would be my thing. Cause I wonder if he didn't really grow up with the Sonic games like I did.
0: It's possible. I mean, yeah. you're the younger, some, I mean, it's kind of like the debate on, you know, how younger kids loved, the prequels, but yet the older Star Wars fans hated them. It's like, the younger you are when stuff comes out, the more you're going to like it than the older audience.
1: Yeah. It just, it initially angered me when I read this list, because (laughs) for one, I wouldn't even put Sonic Chronicles in my top ten. Because, like, it, it for RPG games, it's not bad, but... Sonic is just not the right genre for it. Yeah. This came out in 2008.
0: Honestly, I don't even remember this game.
1: <clears throat> I played it a little bit for the DS when it came out. Hmm. But I mean, real quick, if I if you were to put a gun to my head and tell me to list my top 5 Sonic games of all time, Sonic 2 would be number 1. Then I would probably put Sonic 3 number two then sonic mania would be third sonic adventure would be fourth and no sonic generations would be fourth sonic um adventure one would be five i think
0: you and a lot of people agree that sonic 2 would be at the number one spot that seems to be across the board everybody's favorite
1: it's still the perfect sonic game yeah yeah. It's it has all the the beats that you want in a a game, specifically a Sonic game. Yeah. But yeah, that's it's not a huge rant, but sure. I mean, it just uh, this list angered me so yeah. much when I read it. <laughs> I, I even retweeted it and I said, "Go home, Polygon. You're drunk." Yeah,
0: I don't think we'll ever have a rant like we did uh, the night of um, Fester's Quest. No that was no epic. i don't think so
1: i also don't think i've ever laughed that hard or since because i love a good rant and i was just i almost had to mute my mic yeah because of just like the sheer uncontrollableness of that whole thing well
0: i was on the verge of dying too uh, when i had to do that so that that factored oh in. that's right yeah i was like in the process of getting sick
1: because I remember, I think it, it was either that night after we did the show or yeah. the next day when you texted me and said how bad you felt.
0: Yeah, I was like, I have a fever of like <laughs> 104. <laughs> Should we man. put the show out? <laughs> and I said, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history, shall we? Yeah. In February of 1981, Konami releases Scramble, the first side-scrolling shooter with force-scrolling and multiple distinct levels.
1: I did not play Scramble. I did not either. God, the cover art or the flyer. Man, that looks like straight out of Tron. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Almost looks like an Alex Alex Ross painting. A little bit, yeah. That's cool. uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting concept because, you know, I, I've mentioned it before, but I like doing this segment because, in a way, I learn about new things. Yeah. And some of the stuff we do is repetitive every year, but stuff like this, like, I would have never known that a game named Scramble was the first side-scrolling shooter with four scrolling oh, in multiple levels. Makes me
0: think of eggs.
1: Yeah. That That's uh... a... <laughs> I could actually go for some eggs. That does sound good. Breakfast for dinner?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Brenner.
1: Brenner, yep. (laughs) Love it. In February of 1986, Namco releases Sky Kid Deluxe, their first game to use a Yamaha YM-2151 FM sound chip.
0: I remember us talking about this for the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Looks pretty simple.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't look very complicated. No. And that's another thing, too, is I feel like we don't talk about a lot of tech stuff when it comes to video game history, but still, you know, the first, a first game to use a certain sound chip is a pretty cool little fact. Yeah. Let's see. February twelfth,
0: 1987, Infocom releases Bureaucracy from the author Douglas Adams. And if we all know who Douglas Adams is,
1: he did Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, that's right. I'm horrible with author names. But I, yeah, I remember us talking about this before because I recognized the cover. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, the player is challenged to confront a long and complicated series of bureaucratic hurdles resulting from a recent change of address. Mm.
0: <laughs> oh, you have, to, uh, you have to control your blood pressure. Once blood pressure level is reached, the player suffers an aneurysm and the game ends. <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome.
1: I feel like they should uh, you telling me that I feel like they should change the name of this game to adulting.
0: Yeah, exactly
1: <laughs> Let's see. February 10th of 1988, Enix releases Dragon Quest 3, which I assume is the sequel to Dragon Quest 1 and 2. You don't say, I would think so. <laughs> uh, wow, Wow. I never played Dragon Quest 3. I still have the first one. And it's in North America, it's called Dragon Warrior. And I've seen this um, at Price Busters a couple of times when I've went. I actually haven't been to Price Busters in a while, but almost every time I go, they have this display case of where they keep like their their higher-end retro games. Yeah. And this is usually in it. I see. But, But like you said, I've never played it. Uh, February 28th,
0: 1995, Star Wars Dark Forces is released from Microsoft Windows and MS-DOS. Dark Forces was so good. I really hope they do a um, a remaster of this. I think they're talking about doing a remaster of these old uh,
1: LucasArts games from the 90s. Kyle Katarn. I would, I would love to play these. Because I've mentioned it before, but I remember going through a period where I would watch my uncle play Dark Forces, Tie Fighter, and other cool computer games, but never actually played them myself. So yeah. The well, cool day thing about
0: it is it really was the first like, uh, game, like Star Wars property, that really let you kind of get down like surface level of Star Wars. There's like, there's no Jedi, there's no. You know stuff like that it's just like you're just you're kyle katarn who eventually becomes a jedi but like you're it's just you know you're you're down on the streets of the star wars universe you know it's really cool
1: yeah uh mixmaster in the chat says dragon quest is my favorite rpg series ever nice what's going on mixmaster what's up man Let's see. February 27th of 1996, Pokemon Red and Green are released in Japan for the Game Boy, which started a craze that is still going on today. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people still don't know this, but when Pokemon was originally released in Japan, they were released as Red and Green. And when they were brought over to the States, they changed Green to Blue. Now when they remastered them for the Game Boy Advance, they brought back the green because they released it as Pokémon Fire Red and Leaf Green. Hmm. Why they did that, I'm not entirely sure. Who knows? But <laughs> I remember I remember I was so that was 96, so I would have been Well, actually I think it came out in 97 in the States. Uh no ninety-eight in the state. So I would have been twelve years old at the time. And this was a game that everyone had that yeah. was my age. Like yeah, that, was, that was the thing to talk about at school was Pokemon.
0: I was a little bit I was a little bit too old when all that got started.
1: Pokemon's so good. Yeah. I, I've I've kind of lost touch with it now, but those original games and even Gold and Silver after that were really, really fun.
0: Yeah. I've never played a
1: Pokemon game,
0: ever. Any any iteration.
1: I'd be interested to get your thoughts on it, as someone who has never <clears throat> played a Pokemon game. I'm
0: not... I don't know, I just... it seems like it's way too, like, turn-based RPG-ish for me. I'm not a fan of the turn-based RPG stuff.
1: Yeah. No, I, I totally get that.
0: Uh, let's see, February 28th, of 1999. Star Wars X Wings X Wing Alliance is released for Microsoft Windows. Uh, I don't think I ever had this game. No, I did yeah. not have this one.
1: The cover art looks familiar, but I don't recall ever seeing any gameplay of it. Yeah, it
0: looks great. Like some of the screenshots, I would love to see if Steam has this.
1: Oh, absolutely. Eventually, I want to get to all these games.
0: Oh yeah, these I love the uh, the X Wing and Tie Fighter, or you know the uh, games for the for Windows back then. But I didn't have this
1: one, mm-hmm. but they were really good games. And to close us out for this month in video game history, on February fourth, two thousand, the first annual Dreamcast Championships were held, featuring the Sonic Adventure video Hmm. game. So I guess this was Sega's answer to the Nintendo World Championships. Yeah,
0: 10 years too late. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I feel like those tournaments were very much a thing that lived in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Like early to mid 90s was the the time frame for, for that.
0: But uh, we got some shout-outs to do before we do uh, the review for tonight. So, Derek, would you like to give some shout-outs to our lovely Patreon subscribers?
1: Sure. As always, we'd like to give a shout-out to our awesome Patreon subscribers for keeping the lights on for us. This week, we'd like to give a shout-out to xblade 7 John Jekyll, and Daniel Salmon. Thank you guys so much for your contribution. And if you want to join... Our fantastic Patreon. You can head over to patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro.
0: And tonight, Derek is going to be talking about...
1: Such good music. Hmm. Very jaunty. (laughs) Yeah, and that's something that's cool about the Sonic Adventure games is they created vocal tracks as theme songs for all the characters.
0: Yeah, I didn't expect that when I captured the music. I was sitting there, I was like, oh, this is cool, and then the guy starts singing. I was like, whoa, I don't remember (laughs) this.
1: (laughs) Yeah, all the vocal tracks. I remember having separate CDs with the music from the game itself. And then a separate CD was released with all the vocal tracks on it. And I think I might still have those at my parents' house. I'm not sure. But this week, so with the Sonic movie coming out, you know I had to review a Sonic game. So I've been saving this one um, in the bag for this specific week. This week, I will be reviewing Sonic Adventure 2, which is a 2001 platform video game developed by Sonic Team USA and published by Sega the sequel to Sonic Adventure. It was the final Sonic the Hedgehog game for the Dreamcast after Sega discontinued the console. And the crazy thing is, it came out for the GameCube uh, very soon after uh, the Dreamcast version. Uh, Let's see, it was released June twenty third, 2001 for the Dreamcast, and just six months later, it was released in Japan Hmm. for the GameCube. And then it was it was remarketed as Sonic Adventure 2 battle for um, the States. And then it came out in February of 2002.
0: It's crazy how fast that turnaround was once they knew that the Sega consoles were dead. <laughs> they were just like, well, put it all on Nintendo. Yeah, I guess Nintendo was pretty aggressive at that point, too. I'd love to go back in and, and I wish the like the gaming uh, historian would do a so, uh, video about that about that time when Sega finally threw in the towel as far as uh, consoles and and how aggressive Nintendo may have been behind the scenes to be like, hey, just put all that stuff on, on Nintendo.
1: Well, and I remember it being kind of a surreal thing playing a Sonic game on a Nintendo console. Well, yeah,
0: imagine playing like Mario or, you know, a Mario game on like an Xbox. Like, I, I can't yeah. imagine that happening.
1: It's sacrilege.
0: <laughs> yeah, especially with like the rivalry that they had in the 90s. I mean, it was either, you were either a Sega person or a Nintendo person. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, everything Sega is on Nintendo now.
1: How how well do you think like say Nintendo threw in the towel? I know we're getting a little bit off topic here, Hmm. but I gotta ask this question. I think if Nintendo ever threw in the towel and stopped making consoles and just made games, Zelda would kill in sales. Oh my
0: God! Can you like people talk about um, how uh, what was the the Elder Scrolls game that uh, Skyrim? Skyrim, that game has sold like, I don't even, tens of millions of copies of that game. And it's been re-released like three or four times. Can you imagine if they released Breath of the Wild like on PS4? How many of those PS4 people would buy a copy of that?
1: You know, oh, like absolutely.
0: Xbox P they I mean, I I have no doubt that it would they would sell like it would sell like thirty, forty, fifty million copies over like a ten year period. Especially if Nintendo kept putting out expansion packs for it and stuff
1: like that. Oh, absolutely. And Mixmaster says Skyrim was incredible. Yeah, that was a fantastic game. I did love Skyrim, but I honestly
0: I I think I got like Probably seventy five hours into it, and just I just got so to the point where I just I played it so much, and I never finished it. I just like I can't play this anymore, and I ended up
1: selling it to a buddy of mine. Yeah, yeah, I haven't played that game in so long. But getting back to Sonic, so I remember this game coming out, and obviously following it because this was the days when I was checking IGN. Every single day when I would get home from school to figure out the latest gaming news. And being a fan of Sonic Adventure, seeing that the sequel was announced, obviously I was really excited about it. And I remember there being changes from Sonic Adventure 1. Because I'm in the minority where I actually like the hub worlds. Where you actually go to your action stages and everything. Well, Sonic Adventure 2 completely erases that. You go straight from action stage to action stage, so on and so forth. Now, there are cut that explain the story. And there are two different stories you go through. You have Team Hero, and you have Team Dark. Hero Team Hero, you play as the combination of Sonic, Tails, and Knuckles. And all three characters have different play styles. So Sonic is pretty self-explanatory. You just run through the level as fast as you can. Yeah. Tails is actually in his uh plane the tornado, which transforms into a walker. So you go through and you have to, you know, blast through obstacles with your blaster and that's how you defeat enemies, so on and so forth. It can also glide hmm. as well. So you'll have to glide over, you know, long passageways and bottomless pits and all that type of so stuff. So these kind
0: of like open world
1: type Games? Um, I've never
0: played these.
1: Sonic Adventure 1 is kind of, but Sonic Adventure 2 is not, because you don't get a hub world. Hmm. You, you just go from, you know, you have opening cutscene. Like, I'll, I'll use Team Hero for an example. At the beginning of the story, Sonic has been captured by the military. Well, he breaks out of the helicopter he's in and falls to the city, which is modeled after San Francisco. And you're surfing through the streets. Hmm. And that's your first world. It's called City Escape. Then after that, you have a cutscene that leads into a boss battle. After the boss battle, you go through... I think you go through Knuckles' story. I, I, I can't quite remember. But then with Knuckles' style, it's very similar to Sonic Adventure 1, where you're searching for uh, pieces of the Master Emerald so it's like treasure hunting in a way and and likewise with Team Dark you have the introduction of Shadow the Hedgehog which is still one of the coolest characters in the universe he's essentially a dark version of Sonic but you, you learn a lot about his backstory through this game because his backstory is really the centerpiece of Sonic Adventure 2 the two teams kind of mirror each other so with Shadow you just speed through worlds as fast as you can. The cool thing is, I believe this is for the first time ever, you actually play as Robotnik. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. He has his own walker (laughs) that you use. Yeah, and it's actually kind of surreal playing as Robotnik. And then you have another new character named uh, Rouge the Bat, who is a treasure hunter who's fascinated with the Master Emerald and the Chaos Emerald. So... Her her style of play is similar to Knuckles, where you're trying to find shards of the Master Emerald.
0: So where'd you play this at? Did you play it on the GameCube?
1: I did both. Um, I I did have a Dreamcast. I got okay. Sonic Adventure Two for that, and then later down the line, because Sonic Adventure Two Battle did add a couple of new features that I, I got, you know, later on down the line. But oh. I, I did play this for its original Dreamcast run.
0: Oh, and going back to Skyrim for a second, uh, Mixmaster said that he did 250 hours. <laughs>
1: Good lord! That's a lot of hours. Yeah, that's, that's dedication, uh, sir.
0: Uh huh. You got a golf clap for you, sir.
1: <laughs> yep. As Mixmaster finishes his 250 hours of Xbox, <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, so that that's kind of the the gameplay style of Sonic Adventure 2. It's, it's cool in the sense that you're watching the story unfold and you don't have to travel through one hub world to another to get where you need to go. But I kind of like the freedom to just explore and play around and just kind of do whatever yeah. with the hub world. But the the story of this game is really what sells it. So, Robotnik learns of a secret weapon called the Ultimate Lifeform that was developed by his grandfather, Professor Gerald Robotnik, who also built this huge um, space station called um, Ark, which was essentially like a space colony that rotates, you know, in orbit with the Earth. Robotnik breaks into the military base, which in this in the game the military is called Gun. And the weapon is Shadow the Hedgehog. You find out that he was genetically created uh, by Robotnik's grandfather to be the ultimate life form. But you don't really learn about his mission until the very end of the game. And you you get these flashbacks. So like Shadow remembers things as the game is progressing. And he also developed a friendship with um, Maria, who was... Robotnik's, uh, Gerald Robotnik's granddaughter and Ivo Robotnik, or in this case Eggman's uh, cousin, you find out that the military infiltrated um, Ark and they murdered um, Maria by, by, well, they accidentally killed her. So then Gerald Robotnik is captured and is put in prison, and he, when he finds out what happens to his granddaughter, he loses his mind. And he develops this program for the, the Ark Colony, because there's actually a secret um, gun called the Eclipse Cannon, with enough power to blow up the Earth. But it takes the power of the Chaos Emeralds to power it. So you have these two groups, one who's trying to stop it, and the other who's trying to make it happen. So playing as the villain is always kind of intriguing to me, because you're... So is Shadow a villain?
0: Is Shadow the Hedgehog a villain? Or is he (sighs) sort of an (laughs) anti-hero?
1: He starts as a villain, but becomes essentially an anti-hero.
0: Because I see, I I was reading a little bit of the plot here, and at the very end, how he kind of teams up with Sonic and Knuckles to... Mm-hmm. Um, using well, the emeralds it... to transform into their super forms, and then defeating the final hazard, and using the using the chaos control to teleport the arc back into stable
1: orbit. Mm-hmm. Which, spoilers: Shadow loses his superpower and falls to the earth. So you're you're under the assumption that he's dead, but he does come back. He actually got his own game. I which remember is, that,
0: yeah. I do remember mm-hmm. that. So w- was, was that
1: on... Uh, let's see. Was that on uh, GameCube as well? Yep, it was one that was on uh, GameCube, PS2, and Xbox. Uh,
0: okay, yeah, I do remember that being on PS2 as well, but I never played that.
1: Yeah, it, it was still a fun game. It was a little different because you actually use physical weapons. Yeah. Like on the cover, it has Shadow with a gun. I remember that. And sure enough, you get a um, you get like a handgun that you can use, which is nuts. Uh,
0: that's like you know, let's see if you like Wario coming out with like a pistol. <laughs> what the hell are you doing, Nintendo? <laughs> I
1: would I would actually geek out if Wario came out with a pistol and Waluigi comes out with a Tommy gun. <laughs> that would be awesome, actually. I I would love that. Somebody should draw that. I and could. Make it happen. Like, <laughs> no, go no, you should. You absolutely should. So, the story of this game to me was the selling point because you get a cool new character, you get his backstory, you also get some backstory and inspiration for Robotnik because he reveals that his grandfather was the inspiration for him becoming a scientist. And then, of course, you know, he, then he becomes a power-hungry villain.
0: Yeah. But... but as you do when you're a mad scientist.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I will say for anyone who hasn't watched it yet, there's a video on YouTube of Jim Carrey explaining yeah. the Robotnik character, and he <laughs> explains Robotnik better than any of the video games have.
0: <laughs> he did a deep dive on the uh, <laughs> the psychological analysis of, of Robotnik yeah. creating the character.
1: But to me it showed that he actually like enjoyed that role and wanted to make it good. Yeah. I'm interested I'm, to
0: see how it's gonna turn out. like I think it's gonna be better than people are give or are, are expecting.
1: I think so and I, do I expect it to be a great movie as far as like critical accolades and do I think it's gonna be like my favorite movie of the year? No. but if it's a fun, Ninety-minute ride that takes me back to the '90s. Mm-hmm. I'm perfectly okay with that. That's all I want. I want a good because popcorn I, fun. I did look, in the movie's just over an hour and a half, which is what I expect. Have they?
0: Is there? Um, is there an uh, Rotten Tomatoes score yet?
1: I haven't looked. Let me look up Rotten Tomatoes. But another thing I wanted to talk about uh, for this review, and I've touched on it for every Sonic game I think that I've reviewed, is the music. And the music is really, really cool in this game. It's a combination of cool instrumentals, but there are also some vocal tracks as well. Like The most popular one, I believe, as far as in-game goes, is uh, Escape from the City, which is City Escapes theme. And there was a remix done for Sonic Generations that I think I actually like better. But it just has this upbeat guitar with cool lyrics that don't take away from the experience of playing the game. It actually goes very well with it. But the interesting thing, and I wasn't quite sure what to think when this was introduced, but they gave hip-hop tracks to all the Knuckles levels. Hmm. With... Vocals and all that actually describe <laughs> the world that you're in. That's cool. So, for example, there's one called Pumpkin Hill, which is essentially Knuckles gliding from mountaintop to mountaintop that are all topped with jack-o'-lanterns. And in the the world, there are ghosts and other types of supernatural beings that you have to avoid. But in the background, there's this nice, chill it, you know, like the chill 80s to early 90s hip hop that yeah. was released around that time? It's like that, but with some really smooth lyrics. And hmm. it's rapping about Knuckles at Pumpkin Hill. That's cool. And But initially I was like, I I don't know what to think of this. <laughs> but I've gone back and I've been listening to the soundtrack over the last couple of days. And I actually really like the tracks. Like I've found myself when I go to work i will listen to the sonic soundtracks like that's love, how good the music is
0: dude i love video game soundtracks i love listening to like halo like the halo soundtrack still to this oh, day like truth and reconciliation game. reconciliation suite is still one of my favorite uh pieces of all time as far as game soundtracks go
1: the opening halo theme with that choir oh my god yeah <laughs> so freaking great Oh, and there I, I,
0: um, there is no score yet for Sonic the Hedgehog on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: Interesting. I've been honestly avoiding as much as possible about this movie. I've seen a couple of things on Twitter with just people's instant thoughts on it, but I haven't read any type of an in-depth review. Oh, and Mixmaster says we should play the Pumpkin Hill music. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> uh it's it's kind of cool like it's a guilty pleasure thing for me is that music yeah let's see
0: but um i was trying yeah, to look up oh, at some of that I got a lot of people that uh was on this soundtrack like a lot of vocalists mm-hmm. but i mean i don't know who they are but
1: but the most prominent would be crush 40 because they did a lot of the sonic themes around that time they did open your heart for sonic adventure 1 oh, yeah. live and learn for sonic adventure 2 uh, they they've done, they normally do the main theme for most of the modern Sonic games, hmm. which I I I really dig their stuff. I have their one of their albums on Spotify that has all their Sonic themes, with a few original tracks as well, which they're they're pretty good.
0: It's um this game is available on uh, the PlayStation Network. It was released on October second, twenty twelve. Uh, And worldwide on the Xbox Live Arcade in 2012 and on Windows and Steam. So this is available pretty much everywhere.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, luckily I still have my original GameCube copy. Yeah.
0: I'm really in the mood to start collecting for my GameCube. Like that's, I've got the itch for the GameCube now.
1: You should. There's a couple of other GameCube games that I want to review within the next month or so. Yeah. But it, it's, it's a good time to collect GameCube. Exactly.
0: Yeah, now is the time. Because the, the N64 games are already starting to go up. I can see it now.
1: Yep. yep. But uh, to talk a little bit about the development of this game, I I had mentioned it earlier, but for the game's levels and environments, the developers were inspired by San Francisco, which is where their headquarters were located, and other American locations like Yosemite National Park and the San Francisco Bay Area. And you can really tell, like, when you play City Escape, you feel like you're in San Francisco with the steep hills and just the overall architecture and everything. I like that they used real life locations as inspirations and the the graphics for this game still hold up pretty well you know like to me sonic has that kind of a distinct look where you can look at a background and you can tell that it's from a sonic game yeah and and this is this is no exception but i i really enjoyed going back and and playing through this game you know it's I think it caters more to the traditional Sonic fans with being a bit more faster-paced. It's still story-driven, but the fact that you're instantly jumping from you know one level to the next, and there are a lot of people who don't like the Tails and Robotnik gameplay or the Knuckles Rouge gameplay. Yeah. it. it do I prefer the Sonic portion of it? Yes. But... I'd say that I like the knuckles. I like the treasure hunting aspect more than I do the walker aspect of it because yeah. the the one drawback I would give these two games cuz they they didn't fix it that much from Sonic Adventure 1. The controls can still be a little clunky and the camera is pretty bad. Yeah. We, we were still trying really... to
0: figure out cameras around this yeah. time.
1: And it still wasn't really fixed for the GameCube version either. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. I wonder if they'll ever go back and they'll do a remaster of these games. Oh, I'm sure it's coming. <clears throat> especially especially with- Sonic Adventure 1. Yes. I am I
0: would bet money that these two games, especially a lot of stuff from this era, is going to get a, a remaster within the next year or two. I think remasters are, are the next wave that we're going to get until we're to the point where we're like, stop remaking shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, probably. I, yeah, we talked about that when we did our live mm-hmm. show a couple of months ago.
0: Yeah, I think with... Uh, ever since uh, Resident Evil 2, I think um, they realized, like, man, there is a market for this stuff. So, And a lot of these games still hold up, but people haven't played them, or people that did play them want to go back and replay it with updated graphics and music and stuff. So now, especially now, when all this particular stuff that, you know, is just hitting the two-decade mark, because this was early 2000s, you know, around this time was when we were really starting to get the hang of, you know, 3D... Worlds and not like um and not the I don't wanna hate on the n sixty four but everything was kind of janky <laughs> at the n sixty four era I think once you hit the GameCube, you can really see that everything was like all right, here's where we're we're gonna uh you know perfect everything from this point on
1: mhm uh uh one other cool thing I wanted to throw in so. When you go through each stage, you, correct, you collect these things called emblems. And you can go back and do different objectives for each mission. And as a cool little Easter egg, if you collect all 180 emblems, you get to go through a 3D version of the Green Hill Zone. Oh, that's cool. Which is the, uh, the first level from the original Sonic. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, so that that was a cool thing to to obtain and, and eventually and it took me a long time but I did. Huh. And I remember hearing like the the remixed music of Green Hill was just really satisfying.
0: Ha- Speaking of that, have you heard of there's a program lately that people are using where you take the rom from like an original like 8-bit game like Castlevania or something like that and you put it in this program and it plays the game but turns it 3D. Have you seen I have not this? Heard about that. I i meant to try to find like an article or something. I I've, I've only seen like a couple little clips mm-hmm. here and there like on Twitter and stuff where it kind of takes the game and gives it kind of like a weird almost like off like weird 3D point of view where it's still mm-hmm. a side scroller but you're kind of looking at it from a a three quarter angle or whatever, and everything like becomes 3D, and it's crazy looking.
1: That's nuts.
0: And they, a lot of people have been up. doing it, like in um and uh vert and VR is where they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Because it's like a C plus plus program or something like that, and you put the these old ROMs in there, and it turns them into 3D, and it's crazy looking. Like, I saw a little clip of Castlevania, and they were going through the Castlevania, the first level of the castle, and it was, like, 3D blocks. And it was it was the, still the same graphics, but it was 3D. And I was like, that is freaking awesome.
1: Yeah. That's insane. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Because I would that, love to that's... play
0: those games like that in VR, but play them, like, oh, sort of man. 3D. That would be awesome. Oh.
1: Oh, man, that would be great.
0: So if anybody has a link to that, uh, send me a link at uh, nerdcaveretro at gmail.com.
1: Yeah. But as I start to wrap up my review here, uh, Sonic Adventure 2 received generally favorable reviews. Critics appreciated the game's multiple playing styles, and according to Edge and reviewer 4-Eyed Dragon of GamePro, the core game's three styles and bonus features such as Chow Gardens made the game engaging. Johnny Lou of Game Revolution play, praised its replay value of multiple playing styles and 180 different goals. And then IGN called it one of the best Sonic games. If this is the last Sonic game in these declining Dreamcast years, it's satisfying to know that the Dreamcast didn't go out with a bang, but with a Sonic boom. <laughs> but Edge gave it 7 out of 10, Game Revolution gave it a B, Game Pro, Game Pro four and a half stars game spot 8.6 out of 10 and ign gave it a 9.4 out of 10 nice i i really enjoyed this game from top to bottom i think the graphics were much improved from sonic adventure one i think the music is absolutely on point the story is really cool because you get to learn about a new character named shadow and also a little bit of Robotnik's backstory, because that had never really been revealed before in the games. You know, in the, the comic book universe was completely separate, but you had much more backstory. Like, you got to learn more about Sonic's family and why they weren't around anymore. You got to find out how Robotnik rose to power. Yeah. And that's something that I always missed in the games, is that, that character development. Yeah, because I feel like you'd care about the characters more if that were in the gaming universe. Yeah, but I I really enjoyed this game. I can't remember what I gave Sonic Adventure One. I don't remember either. But I'm gonna give this game a a solid eight and a half. That's good. You know, the only thing to me that is a little jaunting is the bad camera. Yeah, which then makes the controls a little bit jarring. But I blame it more on the camera than I do the actual gameplay itself. But I think if you, if you own a GameCube, absolutely get Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. And if you're a Dreamcast collector, it's one of the first two games that you need to get, the other being Sonic Adventure 1. But both for not translating as well to 3D as Mario did, I thought the Sonic Adventure games were really good.
0: Yeah, like I said, I never played any of them, so I I don't have anything to say about that.
1: You should. Yeah, I think you'd actually like. I think you'd probably like Sonic Adventure Two more than one, but they're both good games. I'll keep an eye eye out
0: for it, uh, especially at uh, the local retro game shop because they have a pretty good selection of uh, GameCube Mm -hmm. games. So I'll keep my eye out for it.
1: Yeah.
0: But, Absolutely. Uh, we're, we're coming up to the end of the show. Anything else you want to throw in about Sonic Adventure 2?
1: Um not really. No, I, like I said it's a good game and kind of what we were talking about earlier. I'm excited but also a little nervous about the Sonic movie because I hmm. yeah, I'm a fan, but I don't want the movie to suck because we need yeah. a good video. <laughs> I have, like I've said all it takes is one and then i think we'll get a succession of better video game adaptations
0: i think it'll be okay i don't i haven't yeah. heard no news is good news so nothing bad's been <laughs> leaked about it yet so no yeah. news is good news
1: yeah but we'll we'll see what happens and i i haven't i haven't decided yet but i may do a reaction podcast that I might record whenever I get home, because I'm going to see the movie. Well, if you're watching live tomorrow night, if you're listening to the live show, then I'm going to see it tonight. I might do a reaction show and post that for everyone to hear. All right. If not, if not, then obviously next week I will give my full thoughts on it.
0: Yeah, I'll see it as soon as I can. I'm not going to be able to, to see it opening day, so it may be over the weekend before I get to see it. Yeah. But we have some announcements to make before we get out of here. If you're going to be at Pensacon this year, so Derek, you want to tell everybody where we're going to be at?
1: Well, we're going to be everywhere. Yeah, we we're, are. We're gonna we're gonna be like <laughs> roaches affecting Pensacon. Yeah. <laughs> so, the two panels, and we there are more that both Jason and I are going to be on that. I'll announce full panels next week. But the for Nerd Cave Retro, we will be doing a special mario brothers panel on sunday march 1st at 11 a.m at the pensacola grand hotel which is right across the street from the base center in room b Mm -hmm. so it'll be myself jason and wally talking about our favorite mario games the impact that mario's had on the video game culture and for those who are there we'll take questions ask people what their favorite mario games were and We'll be celebrating everybody's favorite Italian plum. Yes. Which I'm really excited about.
0: And the panel that I um, (gasps) am. Oh, my God. I can't wait for this.
1: (laughs) One word. Prime time.
0: Yes. Prime time, baby. Prime
1: time at Pensacon. Defending Bad Movies is back. Defending Bad Movies to The Revenge specifically, (laughs) will be held in the same room, Grand Hotel, Room B, Saturday night, February 29th. This this panel is so special that they had to put it on a day that only comes around every four years. <laughs> and it's going to be at 6.30 p.m. So it'll be myself uh, moderating. Jason will be on the panel. Wally will be back. Hopefully, Julio Diaz will be uh, joining us as well. I know he's actually a um, Pensacon admin. So I know if his schedule allows, he he will be there, hopefully. So...
0: And if well, you we'll missed see. it last year, I mean, we are in prime time It's at 630. Yes. There's no reason in the world that you have to miss this panel. It was so good last year that we got put in prime time.
1: Yes. Prime time, baby. Yeah,
0: I can't wait. That's going to be so fun.
1: And if you want to know what Defending Bad Movies is like you can go to the archives of the Derek Diamond experience and check out last year's Defending Bad Movies. And this, this panel will obviously be recorded as well as far as several other ones that we'll be releasing on both uh, my show and the show as well.
0: And we had a warm-up panel at, uh, at the, the Comedy Fest this year for Defending Bad Comedy, so we're going to be yeah. on fire this year for <laughs> Defending Bad Movies.
1: I'm going to go ahead and tell you Freddie Got Fingered is going to go back in the hat. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, but it, it's going to be a lot of fun, you know, and for those who will be in Pensacola, Pensacon is February 28th through March 1st at the Pensacola Bay Center, which is right outside of downtown Pensacola, well, pretty much in downtown Pensacola. But a lot of the panels will be held in outside venues, including the Rex Theater PLT, Pensacola Little Theater, the Sanger Theater, so many other places. Like the whole downtown really nerds out for Pensacon, which is really exciting to see. As someone who's lived here for all 33 yeah. years of my life.
0: well, so. if you're if you're a listener of the show and you've never and you don't live anywhere near here and you're looking for a good con to go to, Pensacon is probably one of your better conventions to go to because the whole city is involved so if you're on the fence about going it's actually not that expensive to get a hotel that's pretty close like i got a hotel that's less than a mile about a mile away from the convention center and it was a hundred bucks for two nights so if you're you can't beat that and plus there there's plenty of uh places to eat you know that are are not that expensive so if you if you want to come to Pensacon, this is the year to do it because there's a lot of great guests, a lot of cool panels. You, you know, three days, it's awesome. So just even the airport. As Soon as you step off the plane in the airport, it's turned into the what is the the galactic uh, the
1: intergalactic airport.
0: Yeah, the intergalactic airport. So the whole city's involved. If you've never been, this is the year to do it.
1: Yeah. And I do want to throw this in as far as a, a personal note for me. And I posted this on Facebook earlier. So ever since I was a kid, ever since you know, I, I've been a wrestling fan since I was 12 years old, if you gave me a list of five wrestlers to meet, one of them, not only am I gonna get to meet them finally after you know being a fan of theirs for 20 plus years but i get to moderate diamond dallas page's panel which That's... i'm really excited for cuz it's not just i'm jelly. the fact that i was it's not just <laughs> the fact that i was a fan but doing his yoga program has honestly helped me get in better shape both physically and mentally
0: oh don't forget i need to get that from you uh, yep. on, on that i
1: account. i've got the dvds all in like a little little packet Hopefully
0: no, you doing that panel, I might get to meet him too. Yeah. Maybe we can get absolutely. a visit a video of him giving me the diamond cutter <laughs> <laughs> for TikTok or something like that.
1: Dude, so he is he's in his mid sixties. Early to mid sixties. I can't remember his exact age. He actually wrestled on AEW a few weeks ago. It's crazy. And he looked fantastic. He he has wrestled in let's see. I think five different decades.
0: That's nuts.
1: He had had one match in the 70s, a handful in the 80s, and then the 90s, obviously, is when he became a huge name into the early 2000s, and I think he had one match in 2010 before he fully retired, and then he came out of retirement a few weeks ago for AEW. He actually dove off the top rope onto a crowd of people. And I'm like, you are nuts old (laughs) man.
0: 61 looks like he's like a year older than me.
1: It's that DDP yoga and healthy eating. Mm -hmm. So that that personally, and there are other panels that I'm doing that, you know, I'll post on Facebook and whatnot. But as far as moderating a celebrity panel, this is easily the one that I've been the most excited about. Like this is actually, and I don't want to. Toot my own horn too much, but it this is honestly going to be like a dream come true for me.
0: Oh yeah, I'm I'm envious. I'm happy for
1: you. It, it's going to be a lot of fun. Like this whole weekend, I think is is going to be great, and it's and, only uh, in a couple of weeks.
0: I think uh, this week we probably should go ahead and uh, post up the entire Pensacon panel schedule on the Nerd Cave Retro page, and yeah. we'll uh, we'll talk about it next week on the show.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll um. I'll write up a post and and schedule it to go out right. either later this week or early next week, and then next week we can do the full run because there's there's quite a few panels that you're going to be on that oh, yeah. I'm moderating. So
0: I'm on like five or six panels that weekend, so I'm going to yeah. be busy.
1: I'm actually I'm excited for the Stephen King one.
0: Me too. I don't know what to you're expect doing. because Steve texted me. It was like, you want to be on the Stephen? He's like, what do you know about Stephen King movies? I was like, well, I. I've seen them all, and I know you know weird trivia about them. He's like, good, you're on the panel. I'm like, okay, sounds good to oh, me. The,
1: the great thing is Steve's going to be on the panel.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So me and him will probably talk about the Dark Tower for like four hours.
1: I'm going to be so tempted to just go right after him.
0: <laughs> Do it. But, we'll, we'll see what but, uh, but let's go ahead and get out of here for tonight. Anything else you want to tell the people before we go?
1: No, just as always, uh, be sure to check out the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. You can find it on all podcasting platforms. In addition to YouTube, I upload my review segments and interview segments as separate videos. Those come out every Thursday, same day as the podcast, and you can follow me on all forms of social media at D Podcast.
0: Awesome. And uh, like, a huge thank you to John Jekyll for uh, talking to us in the chat room tonight. Yep. Absolutely. And um, we will uh, go ahead and play our music here, if I can get it to play. There we go. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter, at nerdcaveretro. And individually, at JFunktastic and at Derek underscore Diamond. We're on Facebook at facebook.com nerdcaveretro. Also, we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And give us a buck a month and get us back up to that $50 level so we can give you guys those extra episodes every month that you love so much. And if you can't do that, can't throw us a buck, leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are sold. So, Derek, please, tell them what it's all about. This is the way.
1: Okay.